Welcome back to The Goth and the Sloth. I am your sloth, Matt. And I'm Luna the Goth. This is the podcast of two friends living a country apart, living our best lives, and discussing goings-on. In this first part of the podcast, we've decided we would discuss the COVID-19 pandemic and everything therein and wherewith. So how are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I, uh, I'm hanging in there. I'm having a better week than last week, so that's that counts for something that's always good Woohoo! what about you i'm i'm doing good actually again better than last week so i think we both hit a curve (laughs) or hit a turn or both we've hit a curvy turn yeah (laughs) (laughs) so let's dive right into it let's go into the news what's going on in the greater virginia area (laughs) um so as of right now, we are slowly reopening, I guess. So phase one of question mark number of phases. We are, uh, the governor was like, okay, we can start reopening stuff. I think last Friday he said, we'll reopen stuff. And that includes g- gyms. So an aerial studio is considered a gym under the eyes of the state. And we were like, oh, snap okay, what is that going to look like? And then on Monday, he was like, JK, JK, JK. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> gyms cannot be open yet. And we were like, mm, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> it's still a lot of, uh, I don't know, uh, who, who knows when I will work again as a human. Yeah. Um, but that said, our numbers are rising as you would expect but also um not out of control yet because i do think that it will spike after we reopen but that's just my uh you know if we learned anything from your report last week (laughs) (laughs) uh so we're at 27,813 cases in the state of virginia we have 3,592 hospitalizations which is about 400 more than last week and 955 deaths, which is about 125-ish more than last week. So we're we're approaching the 1,000 dead in our state, which is scary to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It just feels otherworldly and terrifying that people that that this these numbers don't seem to mean anything to people. Right. Like, ugh, what's <laughs> what's going on in your world? That anyway. And then I just saw someone post that they had visited Virginia Beach, which is about two and a half hours away from where I am, mm-hmm. um, obviously on the coast, because it's the beach. <laughs> no, I thought the beaches were in the middle. <laughs> oh, Matt. <laughs> oh, you sweet summer child. <laughs> um, but the uh, they said that everyone at Virginia Beach is like willy-nilly breathing other people's air like not even they said that richmond looks like an icu compared to virginia beach and i was like really wow (laughs) oh my god so that just goes to show like um how spread out we all are Mm -hmm. in the sense of our communities and our cities and counties like we're a really big country yeah (laughs) there's so much in between here and there so it's just uh, it was a little eye-opening to realize that, like, within my own state, 
even though Richmond is behaving this way and Northern Virginia is behaving one way, we have places on the coast that are pretty dang populated that aren't behaving the same way, which was like, ooh. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So in the news this week, uh, there was one headline in particular that drew my eye. The headline reads, as coronavirus overruns Russia, doctors are dying on the front lines. And it's a New York Times article. Okay. And it drew my eye because I haven't really heard anything about Russia in all of this. Um, I don't know about y'all. I Granted, y'all know I haven't really been tapped into the news. <laughs> <laughs> but for in my personal world, I hadn't really heard a lot about what was going on there. And so... I decided to dive into this article, and it was really interesting for a few reasons. Um, it paints it paints this dire picture in Russia, which, if you couldn't tell from the headline, <laughs> not great. <laughs> and it follows a few stories about doctors in Russia. One story is about the Kuvatova. I don't speak Russian. I'm probably saying this ex- incredibly incorrectly, but I'm going to pretend like that's how you say this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the story is about Kuvatova's Republican Clinical Hospital, which was ordered to be quarantined, which I thought was really interesting just because I don't think that would fly in the U.S. to completely quarantine an entire hospital and shut them down. So in this case, it was there were 1,200 people, staff members and patients in this building and they're trapped there, and they just have to be there until the quarantine lifts. Jeez. Yeah, I was like, at first I read that, and I was like, yeah, yeah, quarantine, blah blah blah. And then I realized how loosey goosey we've been using that word in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, this doctor, Doctor Kamalova, who uh, gave a phone interview, gave this quote: "Give you, you give yourself a drip, get up, treat." lie down, give yourself another drip, get up, treat, and repeat. You have no choice. Wow. And I was like, oh, oh, man. (laughs) Like, I mean, I knew that this is happening in the U.S. as well. We definitely have, you know, healthcare workers that are are getting the virus, that some aren't uh, surviving the virus. It's it's a scary situation, but it was just striking to me to hear that that's happening in Russia where they say everything is fine. <laughs> yeah, I looked at them like three weeks ago and they're showing pretty low numbers, but who knows what that means because other countries report things as they ch- as they feel, let's just say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, like, um, like the U.S. sources say that Russia was absolutely underprepared and is experiencing widespread equipment shortages. So uh, welcome to the club, Russia. <laughs> One doctor mentioned that he collapsed with a fever of 102 degrees and was treated and returned to work within five days, noting how tired he and his staff are. So it's like the same story of relentless demand on healthcare workers. Um, the article mentions the impact of the rigid top-down governing system in Russia that we know of. <laughs> <laughs> Which And it paints a really dark picture. I don't want to get into some of the darker details in the article, but you can feel free to look into that. Um, it's uh, rough. <laughs> 
the nation's lockdown ended on Tuesday of this week, so that's May 12th, and they're reporting 10,000 new cases daily, and they're also reporting 2,305 deaths total, which most consider to be an absolute undercount, yeah. given what we know about the virus. <laughs> It's like, yeah, yeah, we're getting 10,000 new cases a day, but only 2,000 people have died from this thing. It's fine. Maybe the cure is vodka. I'm going to go with maybe not, <laughs> but you, you can, you, you live your best life, Matt. <laughs> so uh, here's a, a short excerpt from the article. It's pretty paraphrased, so... um. Russian officials insist that the country is now well-prepared with a large reserve of hospital beds, ventilators, and, a, and widespread testing that is identifying many a asymptomatic carriers of the virus. They have criticized the Western news media, including the Times, for casting Russia's response in a negative light. For much of the year, Russia seemed to be in an enviable position compared to the Western world. They closed their border to China in January, and two months later, Russia was still recording fewer than 100 new cases per day. Mr. Putin said the virus was, quote-unquote, contained, and the situation was, quote-unquote, under control. What changed this perception is a document from the Kremlin provided to the New York Times by the Alliance of Doctors, and the it is confirmed to be authentic by the ministry's press office. So that's really what the article about is what that document says what's really going on uh, behind the veneer. Yeah, and that sounds eerily similar to, you know, last week with what Philadelphia was saying. You know, I wasn't going to say it, but since you bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's contained. It's fine. We're all fine. Yeah, it's under control. It's great. I mean, even not even just last week from 1918, but from like 2020. <laughs> So anyway, I just uh, I wanted to mention it. If you're interested in learning more about this whole situation, the title of the article, again, was As Coronavirus Overruns Russia, Doctors Are Dying on the Front Lines, and it's on the in the New York Times. So that's my news for today. It's funny you said uh, we're, uh, you know, we use the word quarantine so much and we're kind of forgetting what it really means. A little fun mm -hmm. factoid of where uh, the word quarantine came from was Ooh. during the bubonic plague uh italy would force the ships that would come in to stay out in the harbor on the ship for 40 days or a quarantine oh. which is 40 oh. in italian and so they would have to stay on a ship for 40 extra days just waiting to pull into harbor yikes you know, quarantine didn't really start as a fun concept, did it? No, never, <laughs> never was. That sounds pretty terrible. <laughs> okay, what about you? What news in Colorado? What news have you found? Uh, let's see. So um, our numbers, we are at 20,838 cases, only slightly above you. Uh, which is only a thousand up from last week, which is actually a pretty low number. And we're at three hundred seven hundred, or sorry, three thousand seven hundred eighty-nine uh, hospitalized. It's only up a hundred from last week, mm. and wow. we have officially hit 
uh, four digits though uh, for deaths, 1,091, which is up 124 from the previous week. Um, oh, wow. So scary that we hit that high, but um, these all look better than previous weeks. Um, I, I can look into that, and maybe there's also another reporting uh, bottleneck. That's, that seems to be a possibility. Um, I don't know, but we have pretty much not fully open, but we've started different uh, opening things. Uh, this has been one full week since... Uh, you know, uh, barber shops have been opened, and they've opened a few other things. So it's good to see those not skyrocket yet. Uh, we'll wait and see. Uh, we have opened up camping. Uh, so if you hate living inside and being miserable, you can be outside and be miserable because camping is the worst. <laughs> but you can do so it. So says Matt. That sounds delightful to me. Oh my god, I would love to go camping right now. Um, well, you can't in Colorado though, because out of staters are not allowed to go to camping. <laughs> they were specific well, on that i think it's more of the just 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 not come in for a little bit <laughs> yeah it's mostly it's like the nice way of closing your borders yeah <laughs> it's like you can camp in colorado but no tourism yeah so yeah i'm not uh outdoorsy at all so that doesn't affect me but I'm sure some people are happy about that. Uh, we're looking at um, reopening ski lodges or some of the other touristy spots, I guess, at the end of the week. And then the end of next week, I think, is... I think they're looking at opening something else. So we're kind of slowly nudging different things. Okay. Well, that sounds reasonable, you know, given where we are at as a country and yet i don't know i'm I'm torn because colorado has so much open space and that is like an asset right now in my opinion so it's like let the people be out (laughs) be free (laughs) but then at the same time i'm thinking of right not really the season for that but Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like many campsites only have like one like latrine area, um, and some, you know, there, there's yeah, there's just communal areas that will be issues. The idea behind camping, if you ask me, is to spit in the face of everyone that's come before us that's worked really hard so we can all live in these very comfortable. Uh, you know, houses with air conditioning and electricity and heat and all, all those hmm. great amenities, and we can go go pl- pretend we're homeless for a weekend. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> I do not agree with you. Spitting in the face. Okay, calm down. Hey, a lot of people work really hard, so you have an air conditioner. and people have worked really hard so you have a choice anyway (laughs) uh and so news wise i do got to bring up the one that you (laughs) i knew about but you you pointed out to me as well in colorado oh Yeah. yeah so we did not open up restaurants at all 
and one brunch place decided to open up and have brunch. And Mother's Day brunch. Yeah, Mother's Day brunch, and it got packed. Um, it, the pictures were insane. Yeah. So I was just. Is bacon and a mimosa worth getting the virus to you? Okay. See, you say that, and I feel like there are many people out there that are like, yeah, I totally get virus for bacon and mimosa, especially after being trapped inside with their family. <laughs> but it's it's just, it's not even the point of you getting the virus. It's that you are, you are playing into potentially getting other people sick. Yeah. Like, you're you're part of the problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you go to this restaurant, and they're packed. Like, there's no way anyone's six feet from anybody. Oh, yeah. It, it was, yeah, it was discouraging, and some of the quotes were discouraging. And the there was a city official or a, there was an elected official there. Yeah, and no one got arrested or closed down either, so they just decided to just go with it. So yeah, I'll, I'll here. I'll reword my question: Is mimosa and bacon worth killing everyone around you for? There it is. <laughs> there it is. You know, unfortunately, I do feel like it's like those people from a few weeks ago that were like, "Oh, my haircut's worth about eight lives." Like, I, I hate you. But yeah, uh, hopefully it's, there was it, not. Hopefully there's not a breakout from that, and hopefully not. Yeah, genuinely hope that there's no huge backlash, you know, and people getting ill from that. It's just, it was just remarkable to me that people were seemed so dismissive. Yeah, just because they're in an area that's fortunate enough not to be hit very hard right now. Um. You can say Happy Mother's Day by cooking your own damn bacon. Yeah. There's not a bacon shortage. Get your own. It's really easy. Especially if you cook it in the oven, you just throw it in there for a little bit. It's fine. It's true. It just depends on what you want your bacon, like how you like your bacon cooked. There's so many different ways to do it. Yes. <laughs> and really, that's the uh, only story I had uh, this week. Um, nothing, nothing too crazy. Oh, wait, no. Sorry. There was another one. He lied. Uh, I lied. The governor of uh, Colorado and I want to say Wyoming, maybe. Uh, I forgot the other state. But anyways, uh, they went into the White House and visited with the president uh, about getting more uh, financial aid. Wait a second. Your governor came out here to D.C.? Mm -hmm. What is he doing traveling right now? <laughs> he, he's doing it for the people. I, I mean, I, I get it. I get it. Like, it's it's probably more effective, especially since the president doesn't believe in this stuff. So, all right. Like, if it's, if it's worth the risk to help people get more aid, then, all right, I see where he's coming from, but... Sorry, that just struck me. Yeah, no, it, it right is. But it's, I mean, there's a really <laughs> weird picture that came from it of him wearing a mask, uh, Governor Polis, and sitting next to our dear leader who's not wearing a mask and they're not, of course not. doesn't look quite six feet apart. And uh, he's yeah. like, I think you guys are doing a, just a fine job, I believe. Something along those lines. I don't know. 
Trump said that? Yeah, something along those lines. Does Fox News know that he said that? <laughs> well, we opened things, <laughs> so it's we're, we're good. Mm. I, I, don't, I, don't I don't know what to make of it, but it was a thing that happened. Is we went in person. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that's kind of where I'm at with all of the like partisan politics r- r- connected to the outbreak. It's just I have no idea what to make of any of it right now. Right now, I'm on yeah. the side of science <laughs> <laughs> and not letting people. I mean, uh, die. I figured that Trump would have been wearing a mask to meet Polis, just in the fact he'd be afraid he'd catch the gay. That's Pence. That's Pence you're talking this is about. Also Pence true. probably had like a full body suit on. <laughs> he has like mothers. What are, is that? What he calls his wife? Mothers like big gloves. Oh yeah. Cleaning gloves on, like shaking Polis's hand. Oh god. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, that's what I got for national news. What's going on with your life personally? Um, not much. I've been kind of keeping my head down and working a lot this week which is good mostly good i'm not very productive this week this week i'm like working a lot but i'm not producing as much as i hoped that i would i'm just so tired i don't know what this is about but i'm like bone tired i feel that too all the time yeah i'm thinking that maybe my body is finally like oh this isn't temporary <laughs> We're going to cat mode. Yeah, exactly. Like it's like, uh, let's uh, let's slow down this metabolism. Then we're staying inside, so let's just take a nappy poo for a little bit. <laughs> like, no, I have shit to do. Um, the only other big news is that the monster that moved under my oven is now back in the laundry room. Okay. So that's something. That is that um, is a thing. One morning i woke up to a loud crash and a tub that is on the top shelf in my laundry room had fallen um for no apparent reason so i assume that that's when the monster went back in the laundry room and ever (laughs) since that point nisha has not been looking under the oven anymore and she's been looking in the laundry room before she eats dinner every night just to make sure it's still in there i guess so um so yeah (laughs) <laughs> that's fun <laughs> <laughs> what's going on in your world how about how are your how are your bandmates and everything oh well we're good so yeah 14 it's been officially over well today it would be day 6 15 since my possible exposure no temperature no nothing i'm feeling great um barnes and his wife are have got their taste and smell back and they are pretty much a hundred percent back and with some minor things still kind of left over, but feeling good. So shout out to them. That's awesome. I'm glad you guys are feeling better and alive and able to taste things again. What is a life without taste? (laughs) (laughs) Had to have been weird, right? Like that's just a weird thing to lose. And you're just like, Oh, I've, I've definitely experienced that before with like a bad cold or whatever where you lose taste and it's always right after I cook my favorite dish. Cause I'm like, Oh, I don't feel very well. Let me cook something that I'll really love. And then right when I'm eating it, I'm like, I can't taste this. Uh, I also can't breathe. Uh. 
So, uh, so yeah, they're back. Uh, and so we can start recording again next week. We decided because uh, the other player, uh, Johnzo, was here that same day, and we checked in with him, and everyone's feeling good. Everyone's feeling fine, and everyone's being very honest about it too, just so we're not pushing it. Like, make sure you're feeling it. And you know, we'll give it a few more days, but we're all good. Cool. Um, yeah. And I've been love, meaning to do. I love the name Johnzo. Like I want Johnzo <laughs> to have like a YouTube channel where it's like so, Johnzo. <laughs> That's so Johnzo. <laughs> anyway, don't mind me. But I've been meaning to do this for a few weeks. But uh, yeah, shout out to my band, especially uh, Doug Alicious, our other guitarist. He's been having a hard time under his wife's imposed quarantine, where he's oh, not allowed no. to leave the house. Except for work, so hang in there, guys. <laughs> but there's light at the end of the tunnel. We hope so. So yeah, that's always good. Yeah, so, that's good news. Um, so yeah, it means I can see my parents again uh, at some point soon. Yay! I'm sure your mom's gonna love that. Yep. <laughs> um, my work has pushed our work from home all the way to June first, as of uh, last Friday. So. Right, so you have a couple more weeks yeah get to enjoy that for a bit um some of the uh implementations they've been talking about when we come back seem interesting and i'll have to discuss that okay the main one being is you have to wear a mask uh when you're in the office which i guess which is fine and it makes sense but if i'm on the phones all day which i am like hmm. why like you would just just let me stay home and do that then until yeah that's mm, interesting i wonder how other companies are approaching that because i can't be just you right dealing with that issue that is that is interesting point maybe they'll give you like a surgeon hood and you can just <laughs> wear the hood over your headset <laughs> Maybe they'll get me a custom-built plague mask where the headset is inside the plague mask. Okay, if they do (laughs) that, then it's worth going into the office. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so we'll see. Um, You know, we're my direct boss is always uh, is in line with me of just like, do we really need to be in though? We've kind of proved we don't actually have to be in the office. Right. And I'd rather not take public transit to come in as of yet. Yeah, and as I I think I saw that Twitter uh is allowing all of their workers to work from home indefinitely like Yeah. So it's like uh can that, we not just do that? That's the shift <laughs> in the world which I guess that was a story I meant to talk about too. Well, we'll talk about that. Yeah. Um yeah, no, that's a shift in the world I'm kind of I'm hoping to see is you know, if you can work from home, just work from home. Like, do we need to have a home office somewhere? Like, what is there really a reason for that? Yeah, I and I brought this up in a conversation with my partner, and he was like, well, what about... It's not that he's against it at all, but it, it was like, what does this mean for the economy when we have these giant buildings that aren't being rented? Um, are we going to have, like, a Detroit situation where there's just a bunch of empty buildings and people are no longer in that area. So crime spikes and I don't know. I mean, it, it, yeah, no, it's definitely a, um, 
yeah, yeah, it's something to also look at for sure. I mean, I know as a law firm, we'll never com- be completely office free, even if it means just renting a floor in an office that's just conference rooms so you can come sure. in and, yeah. you know, conference and stuff. But um, yeah, yeah, no, we're looking at a, comp- well, we've been moving slowly towards that future and this just made a giant push to like point that out of how many people can work from home. So right. yeah, wh- what does that leave? Do you start, you know, do office owners, building owners start converting those to housing or do they like, what do they do? I don't Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? It's, it's at least an interesting point. Absolutely. Now it's, it's going to be an interesting way to move forward. Yeah. I definitely think things will be different. Yeah. So, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much about it for news for me. So uh, let's move into the main report of the day. Okay. So for this week, uh, main topic. I mentioned last week that I will be diving into uh, another pandemic. Matt did the Spanish flu, which should be called, as we have learned, the 1918 flu. Yeah. Because it ain't no Spanish flu. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so this week I will be talking about the 2009 pandemic, the H1N1 PDM09 virus, also known as the swine flu. I don't think any pigs are getting real mad about it, so I think it's probably okay to keep calling it the swine flu. <laughs> well, and that's apt that, you know, flus uh, come from birds and or pigs. Yeah, so piggy flu. <laughs> So, as I mentioned, this uh, pandemic is at a much smaller scale than uh, certainly the 1918 flu, <laughs> but also COVID-19 uh, as as we stand today. Uh, so, I decided to go to approach this uh, as a timeline, just because it mostly hit within a year of, well, the most of the news is from within the year, so I I feel that the timeline might be helpful, not only for you as a listener, but also uh, given the similarities to our current timeline <laughs> with COVID nineteen. So uh, as I continue, most I got most of this information from the CDC website itself. I will be focusing on the U.S. primarily, uh, but as uh, a pandemic is global, um, and you'll hear a few global updates as we go. So, starting out, the 2009 H1N1 virus was first detected in the United States in April 2009 in California. Good year. <laughs> Good year. <laughs> what is this? Do go on. <laughs> <laughs> it was called the swine flu because it was an influenza virus most recently known to just hang out with pigs only. And then suddenly it jumped on over to humans and they were like, mm, long pig. And then there were more long pigs running around with it. That's my personal <laughs> version of how things went down. I am not an official scientist, though I am a scientist in the social sciences. <laughs> anyway, uh, so, um, so the first person was in California. And the second person that was detected with the virus was 130 miles away from the first infection with no known connection. So that 
is what raised alarms almost immediately. Mm-hmm. People were like, uh, wh- uh what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so about a week later, more cases popped up in Texas, and two days after that, the WHO declared a public health emergency of international concern. The very next day, the U.S. government declared a public health emergency, and the CDC started releasing 25% of the antiviral drugs needed to treat the the new spikes in the flu. So uh, I would say that a theme with the 2009 H1N1 virus was the rapid response. (laughs) Yeah, that's really interesting, too. Mm -hmm. Yes. Indeed. Indeed. (laughs) Thinky face emoji. (laughs) So then, about a week and a half after the first case detected, uh, the WHO raised the pandemic alert to phase four based on the person-to-person spread and the ability of the virus to cause community-level outbreaks. And Literally the next day, they raised the alert level to phase five. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Indicating that the pandemic is imminent and requesting all countries to immediately activate their pandemic preparedness plans and be on high alert. So we're at about 13 days after the very first cases in California, the FDA approved a new CDC test to detect the 2009 H1N1. On that same day, the CDC recommended a seven-day dismissal in affected schools and childcare facilities with, I almost said laboratory, (laughs) laboratory (laughs) confirmed cases. So yeah, this thing was kind of like clocking along as far as how the WHO, the CDC, the FDA, the U.S. government at large... It just seems that everything was, you know, moving really fast. Yeah. Um, which is uh, a stark contrast to what we see today. Absolutely. I was going to say it's <laughs> almost the exact opposite. Right? Yeah. It's almost like the WHO was like, yo, heads up. And the U.S. government was like, nah. <laughs> I can't hear you. La, da, la, 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 la. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, So then, according to the CDC, the 2009 H1N1 summer activity peaked in May and June. So just for reference, we are coming up on (laughs) mid-May as we record this. If you're listening in the future. If you're listening in the future. So uh, this feels very close to home. Mm -hmm. (laughs) As, As they mentioned, the peak summer activity anyway so a week after the test was developed the cdc shifted from reporting confirmed cases to both confirmed and probable cases for the record we are already there with covid uh so during this same week domestic and global shipments of new tests began Uh, The CDC updated their recommendation for school and child care closures to 14 days, depending on the extent and severity. So this is where we started seeing a little bit more um, 
I guess, similarity in how many things were closing. It certainly was not at the at this widespread rate at yeah. all. Yeah, yeah. Now I I I wasn't in school, so I guess I wouldn't have seen that. But my job at the time didn't mention anything whatsoever. Right, and it it was mostly, it was only if someone was infected and having really bad symptoms. Okay, so like kind of the start of COVID, where like if someone had tested positive in your office or whatever, you had to close the office. Right, but I I don't even, it doesn't even seem like it was a national, like at a national level for workplaces. It's just this guidance on child care facilities and schools. So mm-hmm. it, it's got a proper noun name. I didn't write it down. <laughs> you have the internet. <laughs> But maybe there were uh, guidances there. I just, I did not catch that while I was doing my uh, very half-assed reporting. <laughs> <laughs> so then May 5th marked the uh, the day of peak school dismissal where 980 schools were dismissed, which affected about 607,778 students. So that was as big as this got as far as school closures. Um, For reference, (laughs) (laughs) for COVID-19, we're looking at all schools everywhere closed forever. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There's not really a, um, I mean, I don't know if there are any states that are going, well, I think there are some states that have kids going back to school soon. Maybe. I know Colorado were expected to maybe start the next school year, but even then it's going to be a hybrid of home and school. Mm -hmm. Same for Virginia, same for Ohio. Um, Although I gotta say on a personal level, all the school closures happened after I graduated and I'm very upset. Because we also had a huge uh, <laughs> a huge uh, blizzard in Colorado in 07. And then oh, we had yeah. this closure in 09. I missed all the school. I had to go every day. <laughs> Very upset. Back in the old times. <laughs> I had to walk uphill both ways in the snow with no shoes. <laughs> and you young kids, you get pandemics and blizzards. <laughs> So the CDC releases a weekly report called the MMWR, which stands for the Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report. I do have to say that despite how depressing that name sounds, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) It does seem like a good industrial band name. Right. (laughs) It's just, I'm like, wait, you have this report and you've been hiding it from me all this time? (laughs) I feel cheated. But yeah, so they have this uh, MMWR report, and uh, they began in mid-May for the 2009 H1N1. They do have uh, the MMWR report for COVID-19. I totally recommend Googling it. It's a little bit different now, given that we're a little bit more computer savvy. (laughs) So now the MMWR is like a range of different sites and pages and you can filter lots of different information there. There's some live reports. You, it's really cool. Um, but back then it was one, not even flashy (laughs) HTML site. (laughs) Oh no. It's like the space jam site. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's it's uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure at the time they were like, "Look, there's a graph." <laughs> it's a line graph. <laughs> uh so uh when I looked at these these reports, the biggest thing that I noted is that cases and hospitalizations skewed younger with the age group of 15 to 29 uh, being the highest population infected and that the ages for the most hospitalized were almost all, it was from age five to age 44. So even though the teenagers to young twenties, like teenagers and twenties were the most infected uh, they were hospitalized at the same rate as five to forty-four, which I thought was wow, interesting. Yeah, that's yeah, not a was, U shape at all. Yeah, ex- exactly. It's um, it, I, yeah, I don't know. It just not what I th- expected, I suppose. Uh, by June of two thousand nine, all fifty states reported cases, and by the end of June, at least one million cases occurred in the U.S. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it spread. <laughs> and it, it was very ferocious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I remember it being in the news constantly and mm-hmm. just being like, I don't know, isn't that just the flu? <laughs> With my very uh, rebellious <laughs> black <laughs> lipstick and <laughs> black platform boots. <laughs> I just remember all the jokes like, you only get it if you make out with pigs or whatever. Is, oh, you know, I don't the swine that. flu? No. No. Right. No, I I think the folks <laughs> I was hanging with probably were like, you can't get it from pigs. Shut up. <laughs> 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 we were the ones sitting across the green from you and your friends hearing you guys say, oh, you make out with pigs. And we're like, we don't make out with pigs. We listen to the cure. <laughs> 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 anyway. Uh, so the FDA approved four vaccines in mid-September and the first doses were given in early October. This really, uh, surprised me because I thought that vaccines would have taken longer, Mm -hmm. um, given that everything started in April, but it didn't. (laughs) So that's awesome. I don't think that we can expect that to happen every time. No. But I think it's great that it did happen this time. I would imagine that part of the reason it happened so quickly is because there were a lot of resources dedicated to developing as many vaccines as possible. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Like everyone just jumped on it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, there was a piece of information that I did not uh, write down just for the sake of not reporting every tiny factoid but (laughs) there was a point early on i want to say in uh in in april in the first month of the pandemic where the cdc or the who one of those two (laughs) (laughs) uh officially released all of the information like um I get maybe publicly or publicly shared or whatever it's called, where they share all of the scientific information about the pandemic with everybody else in the organization so that everybody can work on it at the same time. So that happened really early on. Um, I have no idea how our president's decisions have impacted 
that sort of work, but <laughs> I choose to not think about it too much. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then there was a second wave with the 2009 H1N1. The second wave peaked in late, late October, and in November, the CDC released uh, the estimated hospitalizations and deaths across the U.S. Uh, these are mid-ranges. So like you mentioned, it's hard to nail down exact numbers. Yeah. So um, kind of went with the median estimate. So there were approximately 22 million cases uh, in the U.S., 98,000 hospitalizations, and approximately 3,900 deaths. Wow. So truly... This was an example of a crazy virus that spread f over 130 miles in a day mm -hmm. <laughs> to uh, being pretty much handled and tests and vaccines actually effectively being administered um by early October and then the second wave hit in October and late October early November but by then the vaccines were in circulation mm -hmm. so they were able to help keep those numbers uh under a little bit more control yeah so that's cool that that happened <laughs> Yeah, no, I've definitely heard like the anecdotal of like it was a much more contagious virus, one of the most we've ever seen, but one of the least deadly. And it sounds like it wasn't because it was less deadly. It was because of a fast and, you know, fast response and coordinated response. Yeah, it sounds like there were quite a few factors in here, but I have to I have to say you can't ignore how quickly all of these organizations and governments responded. Mm -hmm. like you, you can't ignore that when you look at this timeline. Um, I will, it will be interesting to line up the timelines of all of these pandemics after everything goes back to some sort of weird normal ish, <laughs> <laughs> whatever that looks like. But, uh, I will say that based on COVID right now, it does not look like the 2009 pandemic. <laughs> no. Well, it's kind of interesting because um, a lot of the research I did for my report last week kind of talked about uh, future responses of flus. And we used to take it very seriously. There was uh, a 1978 mass inoculation where they found a strain of flu and mm -hmm. then forced everyone to get the vaccine and actually more people died of complications due to the vaccine than the virus itself. Would it have been worse if they didn't do that or not? We don't know. But like that's right. how serious it used to be taken. And right. this sounds like that again too. In 10 short years, we've gone from like, no, this, we got to get something to, no, it's fine. It's, it's fine. We're fine. <laughs> it's, it's fine. fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it does feel like the urgency has slipped yeah. in the last 10 years. Uh, and I don't know what, I mean, I guess there are a billion different things yeah. <laughs> that contribute <laughs> to why, but it's, uh, 
I don't, I, it's just surprising to me that we have so much power at our fingertips and we choose to use none of it. <laughs> yeah. We could have very little. We could have done this whole same thing again and it would have just been a joke and a footnote with COVID and the, mm-hmm. you know, newspapers or whatever, like the go, swine yay, food science. was. Yeah. <laughs> but instead we're, yeah, we're, we're stuck. Right. So compared to COVID-19, like comparing the 2009 H1N1 and COVID-19, uh, we're looking at approximately 26 to 27,000 new cases a day in the U.S. And approximately 1,600 to 1,700 new deaths a day. Like, this isn't 1918 level. No. But it's certainly way past 2009 level. And granted, these are two very different viruses. Like, we can't say that, oh, it's the same. It's the exact same. Taking all the same steps will give us the same result. But I I think it's worth saying that maybe we should take things seriously sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it'd be kind of interesting. I meant to look this up, too, because I got some, you know, info on flus in the Spanish flu, 1918 flu, almost almost slipped, 1918 <laughs> flu was an N1H1 as well, because that's a designation of... H1N1. Yeah. yeah. And that's what the swine flu was, too. And I don't... Is COVID an N1 or H1N1? I don't even know. So based on the CDC, it looks like uh, H1N1 was designated to the 1918 pandemic and the 2009 pandemic. The 1957 to 1958 pandemic was the H2N2 virus, and the 1968 pandemic was the H3N2 virus. COVID-19, like we said, we are not (laughs) (laughs) virologists or epidemiologists or anything of the sort we're just using that powerful machine called the google (laughs) and (laughs) it looks like covid19 is a sars cov2 virus um so i think that it's just really different completely different subtype yeah right if you have information on that to help clarify um or to help us guide our google search (laughs) then please let us know we would love it um but yeah i don't know i have no idea interesting (laughs) but yeah so yeah but yeah between the uh between the two this week and last week both h1n1s and two completely different results absolutely i mean i think that it's like again night and day of course the 1918 virus was at a really awful time yeah (laughs) right or a perfect time if you're the flu because people are traveling people are spending all their times and holes in the ground (laughs) fall surrounded by other filth and other stupid ways to fight a war again get into that (laughs) other time but uh, all right, guys, we just have to let Matt have his weird thing with World War One. <laughs> it broke the world. I mean, I don't disagree, but 
All right, we're going to back away slowly. <laughs> we're backing away slowly from World War One. Talk about it another time. <laughs> Maybe we'll release a special episode where Matt gets really drunk and talks about World War One. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my report on the 2009 H1N1. It's not nearly as um, uh, compl- complicated as the 1918 pandemic. Um, but I think it's still a lot of helpful information as we continue to watch our our government, our state governments, our city governments, our whole yeah uh, the globe yeah no <laughs> respond. I think between the two viruses, I think we can find um, you know a commonality of the faster responders had more healthy people. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say you're not wrong there. We can't really argue with that. The places that responded quickly seem to do better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the situations where measures were taken early as far as uh, releasing antiviral drugs and you know going into higher alert, higher alert sooner seem to help (laughs) i don't know (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well i think that brings us to our next part of our podcast our distractions what have you been distracting yourself with so my partner discovered this awesome youtube channel is it matt the feral wizard It's not Matt the Pharaoh Wizard, but I already follow Matt the Pharaoh Wizard. <laughs> <laughs> so it's um, it's called Some Good News. It's this amazing YouTube show by John Krasinski, who is Jim in The Office. Have you heard of it? Yes, I have heard of that, yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm so in love with it. It's so good. I don't want to ruin it and say like what it, what he does on it, but it's comedy, it's great he like wears a suit and no pants every episode (laughs) and he's doing it from home it's like very homemade but also still well done he like there are a lot of cameos that pop in here and there like i just love it and uh it's frankly in the light of everything terrible happening ever (laughs) it is something that has like absolutely warmed my heart for like 15 to 20 minutes a week all right it's just sometimes that's all you need yeah i mean 15 to 20 minutes a week of believing that people don't you know want you to die (laughs) (laughs) is an amazing reprieve Hey, there are other things like we talk about distractions all the time where it's art or it's movies or it's TV shows. But this is one of those things where I often have a really hard time looking at the news or looking at facts or whatever's going on, looking at Facebook, Instagram and coming away with like a genuine smile or a genuine feel good attitude. Like often I check social media and I'm just like depressed (laughs) (laughs) by like by what i see whether it's people attacking each other or just divisiveness in general or people 
you know, comparing themselves to other people or me comparing myself to other people. And it's just, it's so tiring. And so when I watched this show, I was like, this is the single best thing I've ever seen in my entire life. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I, um, I highly recommend it. It's called Some Good News. The sign is just drawn by his daughters. It's the cutest, amazing, most amazing thing. And you don't have to be a parent to, like, enjoy the show. It's not, like, only catering to, you know, people stuck at home with their kids or anything like that. It's just very much, like, humans do have good things that they do for each other and community can happen and it's wonderful (laughs) so yeah that's that's my distraction this week what about you so uh since i'm sans lego project now um i started the uh, i'm calling it the great figure reorganization (laughs) i've seen some picture evidence of this so i hung a couple new shelves and then i've also just decided to take all my figures because I used to organize them by type of figure. So, like, here's all my Pop Funkos. Here's my Q-Figs. Um, but I decided to go with, like, where they're from. Like, thematically? So, yeah. So all I have, right. like, a Guardians of the Galaxy shelf. With that. I'm surprised I had as much Guardian stuff as I did. But I have a lot of Guardian stuff. Um, I made a Simpsons shelf. I completely did the, re- the top of my TV. Because there was stuff on there that I've had up there the same way since before I even had this TV stand, before I even moved out. It's just like, that's always how I had it. And I decided to wipe the whole thing and reorganize it. Nice. And that's been, uh, yeah, it's actually been really nice to just kind of clear my brain and re- kind of clean up the top of the TV and reorganize some stuff. Cause I got a lot of figures. <laughs> so. you, you do. You do have a lot of figures. I've been getting, uh, well, I've been getting loot boxes for, God, like five years now, something like that. Oh so, so many things. I just hit my hundredth drunk unboxing video, and I was actually unboxing before that. Oh wow! So, that's how many boxes I get, and they always have at least one figure. And you're like, where do I put all this? And it was about time to just like get it all back together and let's redistribute it figure it all back out so wow that's been uh, that's been my week doing that that's cool though i really like the way you're organizing it all the so the big question is can your kitty spumoni get up there and knock everything off of all of these shelves um not the new ones that i hung i don't think because she's very much she has to be able to stick the landing and there's not a good there's not a good even open spot to even trick her to think she can hit the landing. So hopefully she doesn't, because those will not take a full size cat getting on, <laughs> on those. Those will just all tumble down. Oh no, she's probably gonna be mad at you for a while. She's like, I can't knock things over when I feel like it. <laughs> um, the biggest one was always above the TV, and that's why it was always kind of a wreck too. Is she wouldn't knock them over on purpose, but she has no sense of body. So she just walks through and just, <laughs> just things go all over the place. Aww, like I'm walking. Mini Godzilla. <laughs> um, the important one is I don't think she can knock over the Batmobile. That is so, the important one. Oh my god, that would be tragic. 
Um, the stand is on that it put it on because you actually build a stand for it that spins. She might be able to spin it, and that might knock over some lesser stuff. But the she would have to have, like full sh- like that thing's heavy. Like she cannot knock that over. So hopefully that stays. We'll see. We'll see how that works. <laughs> If there is a disaster, you will just have to take photo evidence so that we can share it with everyone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah, that's been my big distraction for the week is just yeah that and oh, and my comic shop opened back up, so oh yay! Um, I was able to go get my hold slot. Uh, Diamond Comics, who is the only comic distributor, which seems like a bad idea. But that's a thing that's been in the comics industry for years, maybe decades. But anyways, they're not they're not distributing comics, so I'm only able to get what I had waiting for me before COVID. Oh, got it. Okay. So, but it was nice to get some new reading material, absolutely, and you know, help them out, throw them some money, and you know, it was very quick in and out of the store, and the store wasn't busy, and I was just like, just need my hold slot, got my hold slot, paid them, and. In and out, so hopefully. So, yeah. And they're opening very slowly. They're only open for like a few hours a day. Oh, wow. Um, So they're just trying to kind of put it out there, see see how they're doing. Cool. So, glad they're open. And I think that brings us to Only in a Pandemic. (laughs) Da-da-da. Stories that can only happen in a pandemic. Do you have a story? That can only um, happen in a pandemic. I do, uh, and I it might be kind of boring, but I feel like it's like pretty relevant. So, yeah. I was feel I was thinking about it, and with all of this like reopening talk happening in Virginia, everywhere, um, I've been thinking about where I'm gonna go when things reopen, which I'm think probably a lot of people are thinking about that, and. I was looking at a couple different places. Like I was looking at a place where I usually get waxing and I was looking at a place where you, where I want to get my hair done. Cause I haven't gone there yet, but I'm hoping to, um, and stuff like that. And I was reading the different ways that they're responding to everything and how their communication to me as a previous customer or as a prospective customer. And it's like only in a pandemic, do I actually read their emails? <laughs> because i want to know one when they're reopening and what their policies are and like how they're treating their employees what are their thoughts when reopening like i saw the place i want to get my hair done was just like technically we can be open again on friday but we don't feel that we have a safe way to do that for our employees and we know that in order to do our job well we need to be all up in your space so um so we're not going to be reopening until at least june or whatever it is, and we'll we'll let you know as soon as we have more information. And I was like, I have mad respect for that. Yeah. <laughs> like, at the same time, yeah, I'm sure that like they want to reopen right now because they need paychecks. Right, money's <laughs> good. But um, but then just like keeping in mind, how do we keep our employees safe? How do we keep our customers safe? Like, I don't know the approach kind of wrote me in so now i'm like oh i'm definitely getting my hair done there <laughs> yeah no absolutely it's a new form of ethics in a lot of sense mm-hmm. uh when you're looking at places is 
Um, even when things maybe go back to normal next year or whenever, like we're like, remember the COVID, but <laughs> you might still look and like, what did they do for their, you know, employees? And maybe that's, you know, how you make a decision on brands or shops and things. And Absolutely. Yeah. I think that was part of, that was already part of how I made decisions before, but it's just even more so now. Like yeah. uh, when I first moved here, I went to one particular place for waxing and you know, the experience wasn't great. And then I found out soon after the way they treat their employees, I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm never spending money there again. And now Mm -hmm. this is just like amplifying that for me in a different way. So yeah, I don't know. Boring, but relevant. I feel that's good. (laughs) (laughs) What about you? Oh, do I have anything this week? Um, you, mentioned something before we started recording about your walks yeah i know i guess only in a pandemic i can walk during lunch because i don't have to shower uh before i go go sit at my cubicle again so yeah i walked uh been walking changed my walking path uh recently to kind of uh change it up and just look around my area more and i hit uh almost nine miles this week over three days Getting a lot of walking in. And yeah, I feel yeah, like that's not something that you typically get to do uh, no, when you're true. working downtown. Yeah, <laughs> you can get a walk. And then we had a gym in the building, but yeah, by the time you like get dressed for gym and then you get in the gym, then you got to like shower before you get back up and change again. Like an hour lunch no longer covers that. Right, yeah. No, I but feel an that. hour lunch definitely covers me just walking around for 40 minutes and then grabbing a quick bite before I get back in. So Absolutely, yeah. And then just sit at my desk and sweat profusely. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but no you're home, knows. so it doesn't matter. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, like, I just think about your walk downtown to and from work from the train station your walks right now probably have like 100% or at least 99% fewer hobos and urine smell. So that's, that that's is something. True. Yeah, no, there, there's no longer the Seven Eleven where there's always somebody sitting out front of it and you're not so sure. And every so often that person will just start screaming for no reason. So <laughs> I don't see that. It's uh, always that Seven Eleven. There is something about that. 7-Eleven in particular. Yeah. <laughs> my other, Well, before we moved buildings, my walk, I used to see all sorts of craziness. Someone tried to kick me in the face once and then just kept walking. Yeah, you told me about that. That's uh, wild. Um, I saw another guy get in an argument with a pillar, and I looked around the pillar to see if he's just maybe had someone against the wall. No, he's just yelling at a pillar. Fuck that pillar in particular. <laughs> um another guy tried to uh steal you know those the lanes closed blinky signs that are on like a trailer like for construction they're like hey you need to merge over the sign's gonna close yeah Yeah, someone tried to steal one of those and i thought he was working for the construction company but he was just trying to pull it (laughs) and then gave up and walked away so Lots of fun stories when you walk downtown, especially when I used to work at 6 a.m. and you'd have to walk around downtown very early in the morning. Oh, God. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't see any of those. Now it's just, uh, you know, nice people uh, across the street 
because I I don't walk down the bike path. I just walk down the walking path. Not as, as many people. Someone that likes to ride. Thank you <laughs> for not walking on the bike path with your headphones in so that when we come up and say on your left, they're like, what, what? Oh, let me step into your like trajectory. Ugh. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> uh, not to be an asshole cyclist, but move over. <laughs> rules for everyone out there. For walking and bikes and for bikes and cars and for yeah it's a whole whole ecosystem it is not to get into that so uh let's go ahead and uh, finish up with our hermit level so on the leonardo dicaprio scale of uh 10 being uh, howard hughes and one being jack from uh titanic i'm gonna shift it up this week oh because jack was out there he's talking to people he's shimmy he's and... drawing boobies yeah <laughs> <laughs> Where are you at on the hermit scale? Uh, I would say that I'm a solid seven, and I'm comfortable here. Might even be an eight this week, and I would not complain. <laughs> All right, good. <laughs> as long as you're happy with that level. I am. What about you? I think I'm about at a five. Um, I uh, you know, video chatted with uh, my family on Mother's Day uh, since I couldn't actually be there. And we watched a movie after our recording last week. Yeah, we did. And that's generally about it, but I feel I feel better. I feel like I've gotten the interaction I need. Okay. Yeah. So you've been you've been like a little bit of a social butterfly compared to the last couple of weeks then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm digging it. I like it. All right. So where can people find us if they want to find us on the internets? You can find us at Goth and Sloth uh, on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us on YouTube, the Goth and the Sloth podcast. You can find us on all the all the podcast places. Yes, as many <laughs> as we can find. Yep. <laughs> and what if someone wants to be like, hey, Luna, look at this picture of my cat. Where can they find you? Oh, my gosh. You can always show me a picture of your cat. <laughs> always please do that um you can find me at luna underscore minui so l-u-n-a underscore m-i-n-u-i-t on twitter and instagram and yeah what about you where where is where is the pharaoh wizard on all the places (laughs) so you can get me at twitter on wizard underscore matt or wizard cosplay on Instagram. I just figured out how to do stories on Instagram. So you just figured out how to do stories. I actually even today I had to look up instructions on how to do a thing I want. You to had do. to look up instructions. I don't know how to Instagram. Oh my god! First of all, you could have just asked me. Second of all, just press the button. There was no button. I wanted to make a story with a picture I already had, and I couldn't. Then figure press out. the other button. God damn. I'm proud of you though. You finally joined Instagram, I guess. So yeah, I'm trying to be more active on the cosplay one. And um you can also find my YouTube channel, uh Matt the Feral Wizard. I got a new video coming out this week. I guess that's another distraction is um I finally finished a video I've been really working on for a long time and it's just about ready to go. Just putting out some fun finishing touches and it'll be out by next Thursday. Yay! Or, so yeah, look forward to that since this comes out on Tuesday. Yay! 
that timing finally working in our favor. Right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that'll do it for another episode of The Goth and the Sloth. I'll see, talk to you guys later. Yay. Wash your hands, please. And stay home. <laughs>